Hello and welcome to the Sacred City Life Podcast. This is your host, Pastor Justin Dean. I've got four, three gentlemen on the podcast with me. Men, would you introduce yourselves? Alex Tate, Sacred City Youth Director. Joel Bickford, Deacon of Worship. Sam Schmidt, Pastor at Sacred City Moline. All right. We are continuing our journey through the spiritual disciplines of the Christian life. And today, that spiritual discipline that we want to talk about is worship. Worship. Now, I'm going to, since Joel's on the podcast with us. Let's go, Joel. I'm going to put Joel on the spot and say, Joel, what is worship? What is worship? Well, dang, it feels like a big question. <laughs> and I want to answer it in a couple of ways. First um, off, we just know that Joel, this is about to be a sermon. Because wow. Joel, Joel cannot thing, answer Joel. anything can't. in a succinct way. When Joel wants to send an announcement, that thing is going to be six paragraphs full of oh, theology, yeah. full of theology, full of philosophy. So <laughs> break it down. Let's get to the point here, Joel. What is worship? Uh, I would say worship is a, it's devoting your life to the glory of something, the pursuit of something, uh, to give it honor and it's Worship is giving your time, attention to something or someone. So we want that to be God, but that's what I would say worship is. Okay, yeah. Worship is pouring yourself mm-hmm. out to God, Yeah. right? So when I say self, I mean thoughts, heart, loves, devotions, my will. Yeah. Let, you know, not my will, but your will be done. Yeah. Um, my money, my resources, my attention, my fame, whatever I got, yep. pouring that out to God. Now, that's what worship is. That's how the Bible talks about worship. Mm-hmm. But what do most people think worship is? Singing. Singing? Yeah. I think, yeah. It, I think people um, think worship is... It's like it's like a church service or like go, a place that you go to go do a specific the specific act of worshiping, which oftentimes what comes to mind is is singing primarily. Yeah, and we don't want to be confused. Singing and the worship service on Sunday yeah. is worship. Yeah, it's just the Bible when it talks about worship is much more holistic. Yeah. It, it encompasses what you do Monday through Saturday. Mm-hmm. It, it happens in the home. It happens at work. It happens in the field. It happens when you're fishing. That worship happens everywhere. It's not just what you do on Sunday morning. It's not just singing. Singing is an act of worship, yeah. but it's not... Um, worship is bigger than that, Yeah. right? It's, it's not more comprehensive than, enough. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So... What are some modern philosophies of worship? Like, how, how do most churches worship? Well, <laughs> there's a lot of different approaches to this. Um, I would say that there are... 
I, I think the primary one that you're going to see today is going to be something along the lines of, um, well, maybe you call it an attractional church model where... It used to be called seeker-sensitive. Seeker-sensitive. Um, and so it's going to feel, or they're, they're, they're attempting to feel culturally relevant. It's going to pull at your heartstrings. The goal is to make, make sure that you leave feeling better than when you came or when when you came okay the goal is to make sure you feel better when you leave than when you came which means the purpose of the worship is you You. correct okay right that means the worship is oriented to human beings Mm -hmm. to make them feel a certain way yeah okay now i'm just gonna call that out and call that idolatry yeah because Worship is meant to be oriented to God. And what does that mean? Is That means we're meant to go to God and go to God's word and say, how do you want to be worshiped? Have you prescribed anything in your word that says, if you want to come to me, if you want to worship me, this is how you do it, mm-hmm. right? It's the seeker-sensitive model, which the seeker-sensitive model, the goal is to gain a crowd, to get as many people into the building as possible to usually soften the hard words of scripture, soften the commands, soften the demands, soften the take up your cross and follow me and appeal to a person's felt needs. Do you want good kids? Come to our church. We'll teach you how to raise good kids. Do you want money? Come and we'll teach you how God teaches you how to manage your finances. Come. The whole goal of the worship service is the people in the seats. Mm -hmm. Now, that should... Now, here's the deal. Human beings like that type of worship. Yeah. My kid, my kids want that type of worship. Well, they don't that's have to why do those anything. kinds of churches are also full. It's like you can draw the biggest crowd trying, pandering to your audience. Yeah. yeah. You leave going, was it fun? Mm-hmm. Did you enjoy it? Were you entertained? Did you get something out of it? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And that you could, those are called attractional churches or seeker-sensitive churches. And then you've got more like just solidly evangelical churches, evangelical, evangel, gospel. Um, and those kind of churches, you're basically going to get three or four songs. You're going to get a sermon. And you're going to get, you know, communion mm-hmm. once a quarter. Yep. And a lot of announcements. And a lot of and, announcements. And a lot of announcements. More than likely, a lot of announcements. And even a lot of those churches, the sermon itself... So you can, it's hit or miss there, right? You can get a really gospel-centered, powerful, exegetical text, or you can get a lot of topical sermons that are, they're not offensive, mm-hmm. right? They're, they're, just, they're not, the word I would use is they're not prophetic. Mm-hmm. There's a reason why they wanted to kill Jesus, right? They, there's a reason why a lot of people hated Jesus. He did not teach in a soft man-centered way. He did not give people what they wanted. He gave people what they needed. There's a reason why we killed the prophets. Like all the ancestors killed the prophets, right? Um, so a lot of those, they're going to be soft. They're going to be nice. They're going to be um, quaint, let's say, but they're going to lack the hard edges of, of scripture. And you kind of mentioned this too, is a downplay of the sacrament of the participation in the meal on a weekly basis, the gift that that is, the mystery that that happens underneath of it. 
that it's, it, I don't know, it's some of the, the understanding of what's going on in the spiritual realm. Like, it, it doesn't feel like um, it's warfare, which yeah. wor- worship really is. It yeah. just feels like a nice, family-friendly environment, get your little felt board out, the kids will, you know, like, it's just a cozy sort of setup where not acknowledging, like, th- there's a real spiritual war going on. Yeah. Or transcendence, too. Yeah. It gets sucked out of the room when everything's become so practical. Uh, that it's all 10 tips for this or, you know, here's how you have better kids, whatever it is, how you, here's how you make more money. All sense of transcendence and, and God being other and, yeah, that's lost too. Yeah. Know? Sounds like a motivational speaker. Yeah, I mean, you can get it. I mean, yeah. <laughs> to be honest, right? Can, yeah. yeah, you fall off the other side of the horse, you try and be culturally relevant inside of a worship gathering that you just become the world mm-hmm. and probably a poor version of it too, so. Yeah. Yeah, those two th- seem similar in the sense... Maybe one has smoke machines and the other doesn't. Ah, you know, Ooh. it, it kind of they're both a little bit weak on the substance. One sings hymns, the yeah. other one doesn't. Yeah, right. you know, uh, yeah. But the, I think they both can so, just soften the hard edges. There, there's they're not both of them are not the. So I grew up in more of an evangelical church, but the only people who repented were the people who got drunk the night before or the real bad sinners. And yeah. they would come down maybe for an altar call uh-huh. at the end. Right. Like there was, there was kind of like the Billy Graham style, give your life to Jesus. But it was missing like Luther's vision of the Christian life. that all of the Christian life is meant to be one of repentance. Mm-hmm that you never mature, you never, like in those, many of those evangelical churches, you embrace Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, then you move on to discipleship, and discipleship is learn a lot of truth about the Bible, and don't sin in really big, bad, ugly ways, and then ultimately sometimes what happens is you start looking down on those who do, and you don't have this continual confession of your sin, and the sacrament, one of the aspects of the sacrament is it's meant to preach to us our need for Christ every single Sunday, Mm -hmm. that we are spiritually hungry, we are spiritually thirsty, and nothing but the body and the blood of Christ can satisfy that, right? So then we at Sacred City, we are in the more reformed tradition, and the reformed tradition we call the, the worship service is a covenant renewal ceremony that we recognize that we are coming here because God first sought us. Mm -hmm. God made the covenant with us and our ancestors and he came down, he cut the covenant, he fulfilled both sides of the covenant and now he's calling us in to worship and enjoy him and the first thing that we do every single week after being called into worship is we repent. We confess our sins, right? Yep. And then we're, so we're admitting our need for him or admitting our hunger or admitting our filth, our dirtiness, all these things. And then the, the, the service actually takes the shape of the gospel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That God pursues us. We confess our sin. God forgives us of our sin. We worship him because of it. We receive the implanted word with faith and that word grows. And then we sit down in a meal with the Lord and we renew our covenant every single week. We say, we are your people, you are our God, and we worship him, and then we're sent out with a benediction 
that says, no, go live like missionaries. Go yeah. live like this is true, mm-hmm. right? <clears throat> and it takes, that is meant to shape, that's, that shapes our Sunday morning, but that's also meant to shape our imagination. Yeah. So we know who God is. We know how God saved us. We know who we are, sinners saved by grace. We know who God's made us into, into our new identities in Christ. He knows, we know that he, he sups with us. He eats and drinks with us. He fills us with his spirit. He sends us out as missionaries. And that gives us a more holistic understanding of what worship is. Yeah. You're going out. You worshiped in here together. Now you're going out there to worship God by being missionaries and family and yeah. servants and learning. And to go back to what you were saying at the beginning of comparing these other kinds of worship is one's man-centered and one's God-centered. Covenant renewal, the hero is God. It's like the whole thing is about God, and, and we get to benefit from the work of God and participate with God in the work of renewal as the Spirit dwells in us. But it's not like... Covenant renewal worship is not about me. It's about God and his glory. Yeah. And I get to benefit incredibly from, from what Christ has done on my behalf. And I get to live in light of that grace. Um, and so it does, it takes the, the emphasis off the people. It takes the, office, the, the emphasis off man and places it on the glory of God. And, and thus, worship is rightfully a response to God's glory. It's, mm-hmm. it's our pouring out of the honor um, and, and worth that he is due. Yeah. So when we think about, like, worship, you were just talking about it, taking it off ourselves. But when we leave the building, when we go out into our, our daily, you know, re- regular rhythms of life, how do we take our worship off ourselves and put it on God when we're, when we're worshiping, in a sense, at basketball games, volleyball games, dance, cheerleading, all those things? How do we transition that onto God instead of on ourselves? Well, it's important to realize we don't need to demonize things like that. Yeah, like, yeah, for sure. God gives good gifts. Yep. And part of uh, acknowledging the giver of the good gifts is enjoying the good gifts. And so helping to hold those things in right view of God. So if those things are trumping my view of God, that's a, that's a worship problem. That's an idolatry problem. Helping me see that the good stuff that I have to celebrate, the good stuff that I have to enjoy, ultimately comes to God, which ought to, ought to just shoot me right back into a spirit of, of gratitude and thankfulness and receiving these as gifts and not as idols that are going to compete. So if I, if I see that my work life or, or my kids' sports or, or anything, any hobby is competing... Even education, right? Yeah, for, for mm-hmm. my attention, my affections, for, for any resources than God, and I don't see it as those things serving... Um, God, the the uh, the ultimate. Uh, then then I need to check those things and yeah. bring them back into the proper proportion to who God is and what He's done. That's good. Yeah, usually our attitude towards those things becomes unhealthy and sinful. When it obviously when they become idols, we we are we start going to those things to gain an identity mm. rather than knowing who we are in Christ. And then living out our identity as followers of Christ in those respective fields of workplace, athletics, education, whatever it is. That all good gifts come down to us from the Father of Lights. So all these things are good when they're used in when they're used for His glory. But because we're, John Calvin said that the human heart is an idol factory, and so what we do is we take created things and we 
worship them. We, those created things, dance, sports, whatever it is, they Video become games. more meaningful, more glorious to us than God himself. And so they, their glory eclipses the glory of God, which actually can't happen, which means we're, we have an incorrect, inaccurate view of God in the moment when we see anything he created as more glorious than him. And <clears throat> we start worshiping them, and then our life starts to unravel mm -hmm. because you become like what you worship. Mm -hmm. yep. The Old Testament talks about when they worshiped idols, they become like them, deaf, dumb, blind, lame, all those things. Like Because what is an idol? An idol is a chunk of wood. Mm -hmm. An idol is a created thing. And so an idol, so we have, we are meant to, to take our attention, affections, and put it on the most glorious thing in the universe because that's the only thing that can carry the weight of our glory, mm -hmm. our aspirations, our worship. The only thing that can carry the weight of our worship is God. Mm -hmm. And when we do that, we mature and we grow and we are changed from one degree of glory into his image. When we put our worship on something else, we become less than who we're meant to be. Absolutely. And so if you worship money, you start treating everyone in economic terms. Mm -hmm. You start looking at a person as a debtor, as a, as, a, as a creditor. Every encounter you have, is it worth your time? You start thinking in economic terms. You start treating everybody. And so what are you, you're ultimately worshiping the dollar. You're ultimately worship, worshiping money. And so you, and then what does that do to you? It, it turns you into le less, in one sense, less than human, less than who you're meant to be. Right, and when we worship anything, that's going to happen. We're going to start anything other than God. That's what's going to happen. We're going to become more anxious. Why? Because dance can't hold the weight of your worship. Mm -hmm. Your kids can't hold the weight of your worship. So if you're worshiping your kids, and your kids start misbehaving, you lose your peace. You lose, mm -hmm. right? You lose your happiness. You lose your sense of joy. Why? They can't carry the weight of your worship. That's good. Only. Jesus can carry the weight of your worship. But then you make it personal if you worship your kids because your kids are acting a fool or don't measure up. So then you take it personal where then like you put a certain type of weight on them that they can't handle, but then it takes away your worship to the Heavenly Father. Yeah. So I think this is what makes the discipline of specifically worshiping on, a, on Sunday with the saints so important. And I think the discipline, like the very first discipline muscle to flex and get strong and get right in terms of living a life of worship is making it a non-negotiable that you and your family are at the gathering. Because as you were saying, Justin, to simplify it a little bit, our liturgy or our worship gathering is shaped in the gospel to shape you into a gospel person. So unless you show up consistently over time and get that slow drip of the gospel and you hear the sermon and you confess your sins and you take the meal and you learn how to give thanks through singing and you're around other human beings who are worshiping God and you're being shaped through the gospel story, I'm not sure what kind of hope you actually really have Monday morning to not worship your work yeah, and to not worship your kids and to not fill in the blank. That's the, tr it's the training ground. I, I was reminded of a quote here from Jamie Smith. He said, worship is the arena 
in which God recalibrates our hearts, reforms our desires, and rehabituates our loves. Worship isn't just something we do. It is where God does something to us. Worship is the heart of discipleship because it is the gymnasium in which God retains our hearts. I think that he might be quoting something from Calvin there where Calvin said worship, um, like Sunday worship is the gymnasium of the soul. Yeah. Which means it's the practice ground. Right. That Sunday morning isn't just about us expressing our feelings, our emotions, our loves, our desires to God. It's also formation. It's formative. It's the gymnasium. And when he means gymnasium, he means the old world gymnasium where you'd go and you would train. Mm-hmm. Like the, the, the uh, acro- not acrobats, but the gymnastics, literally gymnastics. And you would build your muscles. You would be able to hold, do the high iron cross mm-hmm. and have those biceps. You're there to train to become a certain type of person. Yeah. That's what the Sunday gathering does for us. You're there to train. So why do we pray the prayers that are on the screen? Yes. Because we're teaching you how to pray more thoughtful, more godly, more glorious yeah. prayers than Lord, please forgive me for all my sins. Right. But I think when you think about it, you, you talk about practice. Um, and if we're a team and we're all on the same team, like when you when you're growing up, like everyone was frustrated when certain people didn't make it to practice, right? Because when you're when you're at practice, everybody's being formed and being shaped and doing all the work so they can perform and, and do their works in the game. And when you never come to practice, you can't be in the game. Yeah, and a lot. Well, you, not not just that. I can't count on you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When when it's fourth quarter and it's fourth and three, I don't know if my nose guard hasn't been in practice. I don't know if he's got the stamina to do it. Yeah. I don't know if this guy's got. The, I don't know if he knows the plays. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he's in shape. Right. I don't know when the going gets up. And here's the reality: we found out like during COVID, like yeah, when yeah. things get hard. Right. The ones that that haven't made worship a practice. They disappeared. You try to watch online all the time. They disappeared. And here's the deal. Without the Lord doing something miraculous, more times like that are coming. Mm -hmm. They're coming down the pike. They're coming for us, okay? God's going to test and find out who the true worshipers are who worship him in spirit and in truth and not just in their own comfort. Yeah. And there's a lot of people who claim to be followers of Christ and they're just not. Mm-hmm. They're not. They're worshiping. They maybe have prayed a prayer sometime in their life, but they're not worshiping God in spirit and in truth the way he's commanded it, mm-hmm. us to worship him. And if you're not worshiping him in biblically prescribed ways, you're not going to be prepared when persecution comes. Yep. Yeah. You're not going to have the muscle. You're not yep. going to have the backbone. You're not going to have the mental acuity to decipher between truth and lie. Mm-hmm. Not ready for the game. You're not ready for the I game. Yeah, was, and, and you're, okay. what you're devoted to is ultimately going to get yes. called into question. Are you devoted to the Lord or are you devoted to something, your, your comfort, your safety, your yeah. whatever it is? And that, that tension, that conflict is going to expose w- where your devotion lies. Yeah. Yeah, to hit on how Sunday worship and then living a life of worship are connected and what you're saying. I think it was C.S. Lewis. He said, uh, he was talking about ballroom dancing, using an analogy of that. And he said, as long as you're paying attention to your feet, you're not dancing, you're learning how to dance. And so if you, so this again, Monday morning analogy, when the, uh, the kids are acting up and you've got, a, you've got a busy work meeting, 
Sorry, Justin's flying around the office. He's like, he's like Spider Man right now. Not distracting at all. <laughs> what, that's distracting to you guys? Come on. Bit. Sorry. Uh, go ahead. You got a busy work. Whatever. Whatever the thing is that life causes you to respond. This to. wasn't a video podcast, Joel. Nobody had to know. <laughs> Sorry, hey, it's coming soon. Doing, Get ready for doing, the game. Oh. <laughs> it was a first. I've never seen you climb on the table. So. <laughs> anyway, so when life calls a response from you uh, or, you know, a reaction from you, you know, whatever comes out is what you what is what you've learned, and so the the ballroom dancing analogy is great because it's like uh, you can kind of tell when someone's just staring at their feet. I don't actually know how to dance, but when you've got the repetition of yep. Sunday, you've got the repetition of the gospel. You know what the word said. You remember what that sermon just said from Sunday. You're not running on fumes. You're not running on guessing. It's a it's going to set you up for the rest of your life of worship to be like I know how to respond right now. Mm-hmm. I don't have to be that grumpy dad. I don't have to sin against my wife. I don't have to worship my work. Um, because, in a sense, you know the steps. And, and you know when your boss comes to you and makes an unreasonable request. Yep. You need to work another Sunday. You need to, yep. you know, like, oh, this is, God's prepared me for this. Yep. No. When your boss says you got to use these, you know, DEI name, call, call people by their per, per, preferred pro, pronouns and all mm-hmm. this, you know, oh, no, no. I worship God in spirit and truth. And for me to tell a lie in my workplace about a person's identity yeah. is false worship. Yeah. And I'm not going, I'm a man of truth I'm, I'm or a woman of truth. I'm not going to do that. Mm-hmm. Now you, if you're, but if you, again, Joel made the great point. If you're not practicing that every single week, you're just not going to be ready for the game. Yeah. You're not going to be ready for the test. You're not going to be ready for the battle. And man, I think that's a, I think it's a, that's a great point. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Now, here's one of the things that I think might set covenant renewal, and I would just say biblical worship apart from other forms of worship. Again, it's not about you. And when I say that, I don't mean that God's not going to minister to you right. and you're not. That's not what I mean. When I say it's not about you, I literally mean God's going to tell you to do things that you don't want to do. Think about this. This. Athletic analogy is a great analogy. I play football or I wrestle or I do my sport. Ultimately, I'm most of the time I'm thinking about myself. I want to be great. I want to be a good athlete. I want to win, all these things. But when I join a team, I submit myself to the coach. Mm. And one of the aspects of a great coach is he makes me do things that I can't do myself yeah. or I won't do. I don't want to do. Like, I don't want to do burpees, yep. right? I don't want to run another mile. I don't want to do more push-ups. I don't want to do... If you've been, I've coached a lot of things, and one of the universal responses of kids being coached is, why? What does this have to do with anything? What? And they don't understand when it's the third period and there's 30 seconds left and both guys are tired the guy that is going to win is the guy who's most prepared for this moment by doing the things nobody else would do. He's talking about wrestling right now, if you don't know if they're here. <laughs> I'm talking about <laughs> I, the guy that's been doing the things that nobody else is willing to do yeah. will do the things that nobody else can do. For because sure. in the moment, he's prepared. And it's, it's football. It's, it's, any, it's any sport, yep. right? Well, the same thing is, is true of worship. When God says, here's how I want to be worshiped, Sing to me. 
I don't care how freaking cool you think you are. Yeah. I don't care if your voice is, listen, you have a voice. Mm -hmm. It might not be good. I don't have a good voice. I can't sing very well. But I sing loud. Why? Because God tells me to sing loud. He doesn't yeah. say, for everyone who has a perfect pitch, mm -hmm. sing loud. He says, shout unto the Lord. Hey, I'm a great shouter. Mm -hmm. I'll shout. Amen. He says, sing unto the Lord. A new song. He says, play instruments. So we play instruments. He says, lift up your hands, holy hands, without wrath and doubting. Can we speak to that? There, there's a lot of people that don't raise their hands. They don't stomp. They don't clap. They don't do any of those things. So what, what do we say to those people? I tell them, read your Bible. Mm. I tell them, do what the coach says. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, sure. not only is he our coach, he's our God, and this is what he says. He gave you hands to clap. Yeah. We do it at football games. We do it at basketball games, yeah. right? Volleyball, yeah. whatever it is. Yeah. <clears throat> well, I think you also do it, uh, you know, I've, I've used the analogy of, like, I do things for my wife that maybe I wouldn't prefer, you know. I'll... I'll Julia, you're not listening to this right now. <laughs> uh, she doesn't actually like this, but I've, it's, because it sounds ridiculous, it's like I've used the avocado toast analogy. Like, if my wife really likes avocado toast for breakfast, and I'm, but I'm like, ah, I'll just make her pancakes. Like, I'm not actually loving my wife. Yeah. It, in accordance with how she's revealed that she, and so whatever she's not. Which God. is exactly how most of us worship. Yes. I don't like slow songs. Yeah. I don't like fast yeah. songs. It's not my preference. I don't like li lift my hands. Mm -hmm. God forbid I somebody ask me to kneel. Yep. Spoiler alert. In the new building, we have flat floors. Yeah. And one of the things that we're going to add to our worship is we're going to we're going to ask during the confession those that are able to kneel during the confession. Right? Why? Because it's a physical bodily posture that's scriptural that takes the position of humility. Right now, can you do it in a in a in a haughty way? Of course, yeah. You could get to the middle of the aisle and let everybody know. Here's the deal: if there's only one person kneeling, and he's in the middle of the aisle and all eyes are on him, yeah, he's probably doing that as a spectacle. But if everyone's kneeling, yeah, we're, we're doing it together. Like it's not a big thing. But this is commanded of us in Scripture: mm -hmm. bow down before the Lord. Right, like that's part of that's part of what we're commanded to do. So. <clears throat> Many of us maybe have plateaued in our spiritual development because we've stopped worshiping God the way that he's prescribed. We're worshiping the God, we're worshiping God the way that we like yeah. the best. Yeah. <clears throat> my, my teenage kids, dude, it's so funny because I came out of the charismatic movement. I had more happy, clappy, jump around, run around the building. Backflips. Moments. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've, I've had more of those moments than I can... Than, than I can handle. But my kids are naturally prone to that. They, they go to a camp or they go, oh man, the music was amazing. It was rap. It was this. They were, everybody was jumping around. They were doing it at a youth camp. <laughs> yeah, they, they do it at a youth camp. And I'm not, I'm not against that. But I'll just tell you, for the most part, it's just immature. It's just what we like in the moment. It's like saying, I can only worship to country music because it's my style. I can only worship to lead guitar. I can only worship to hymns. I can only worship. No, we're called to worship God the way that he wants to be worshiped, yeah. right? And that means this week I might not like that song, yeah. but it's not about my preference. It's about God. Mm -hmm. What do the lyrics say? Do I believe those lyrics? Then mm -hmm. I'm offering my worship to him. I'm raising my hands, right? right? I'm shouting, I'm singing, I'm clapping, yeah. I'm moving my feet, whatever it is. I said this a couple Sundays ago, but it, it seems... 
you know, what is what are we doing when we have a call to worship? Well, a piece of what you should be doing is looking for who is God and what is he requiring of me in this moment? What pleases him? And a lot of the times it's, okay, normal things. Sing, shout, uh, you know. And so it's like you can literally be taking your marching orders from God from the call to worship most weeks of like, I does not matter how you feel, this is what God wants from you in worship. You know, this is what pleases him. And this, which we also know, is connected to our deepest need and joy through obeying him. Yeah, so his glory and our joy are connected. Right. So what that means, you might be the most stoic, introverted. Here, right here. You might. Literally me. <laughs> yeah, but you got rhythm and you can sing. Sure. So let me just keep going. Yeah. You might not be able to, you know, <laughs> move to the beat at all. You might not be able to sing at all. You might look like mm. Frankenstein when it comes to, to, to worship, right? All knees and elbows and locked joints. But God calls you to lift your hands and sing to him yeah. with a joyful song and a joyful shout. Sometimes you obeying that, you doing that, will actually do something that you never suspected in your own heart. Yes. Yeah. Scripture says, shout for joy, okay? It doesn't just mean when I feel joyful, I shout. Sometimes I shout for joy because I'm, I'm lacking joy That's and, good. I'm, yeah. and I'm lifting up my voice and I need God to do something big in my life. Absolutely. I need God to move in my heart. And so I think one of the things that emasculates worship is when I say, I'm only going to do what I want to do. Mm-hmm. Think of it like this. I'm going to the doctor I've got things wrong with me. I got stuff going on. But I, when the doctor says, here's the prescription, I go, well, I don't want to do any of that. Here's what I want to do. The doctor would look at us and go, okay, well, then you'll have a heart attack. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, you're going to be 400 pounds. Okay, you're going to be chronically unhealthy, yeah. right? Worship is prescribed yeah. for us from God. And it's not prescribed according to what we want it's prescribed according to what God wants and what we need. Right. Mm-hmm. And when we do things outside of our comfort zone, that's one of the things that I liked about Charismatic is they did so many dumb things and crazy things that it taught you to not care about the person to your yeah, right, right or the person Amen. to your left. I was left. just thinking right. that a lot of times the reason why we don't lift hands or clap Cares or give a shout is we care too much about what the person next to me or behind me thinks. Who cares? They see my pit stains or whatever it is. It's like, okay, well, take a shower, change your shirt, and then come to church. <laughs> But then do what the Lord says. Like, stop thinking you, you're, you're focused. If you're thinking ab- He's about... He's talking about me in those pits. <laughs> Same here. If you're thinking about... And that's why I wear a suit coat now so nobody can see mine. Ooh, yeah. So if you're thinking too much about the person next to you and or in front of you, they'll hear your voice and you'll be embarrassed. You're not thinking about God. Yeah. You're thinking about yourself. You're thinking about the other person. How, am I, how do worship I worship is displayed. What are they going to think of me? Right. Yeah. It's literally the worship of man. It's literally the worship of man. The fear of man is a snare, the Proverbs tells us, right? And so fearing what people think of us can actually inhibit the spirit doing what he wants to do in our own life, Mm -hmm. right? I think part part of my personality and my... So most people say that I have a unique ability to, when I'm preaching, to kind of like not care what people think, right? Like I'm preaching in a way that it seems like 
I don't care. Like, it seems like I don't need the approval of people. I don't care. I'm spitting truth and I don't care who I offend. Yeah. Well, that's not really true. I care deeply about every person that's in that room and I want them almost more than anything to believe the gospel and to receive what I'm saying and to be blessed by it. But I've also was trained by my upbringing to know that pleasing God is more important than, mm-hmm. than pleasing man, mm-hmm. right? Jesus says, I knew, I know myself what's in the heart of man, right? I didn't come to please man, I came to please God. And so there is some truth to that charismatic, the charismatic movement causes you in a sense, trains you in a sense to not care a little bit. Oh, totally. But right. again, it gets hijacked right. where you become actually a show and you become right. just as man-centered as everybody else. But we're leaning into this because God is prescribing a worship for us. Mm. He doesn't need our worship. Yeah. He's prescribing it for us. And many of us just won't take the prescription. Yeah. I won't lift my hand. I won't sing loud. Mm. I won't clap. I won't move my feet. Right? So are they sinning against God when they do that? So if you're a Christian and you say you submitting to the Lord and you, I love the Lord, but I, I'm not going to do that. Oh, yeah. That's a sin. Mm. Not only is it a sin, you're a coward. Mm. Yeah, that's a sin. <clears throat> um, as you're talking to, you said the word hijacked. I think, I don't know when it happened or if it just seems like it happened, but I, I think worship like church worship has somehow gotten hijacked by like an overly feminine thing culture to where i think men masculine men step into a church and it's been so painted with that and it's so lovey-dovey and it's so so equating lifting your hands feels very effeminate and emotional when that's just been hijacked or it's been it's it's i Women, I don't see women struggling with this as much as men. That's why that's good. I'm saying. Yeah, that's so true. I, I, yeah. It reminded me of First Timothy, two. It says, "I desire then that ever that in every place the men should pray, lifting holy, lifting holy hands without anger or quarreling." That's just an an example of it's directly talking to men, and I think as men go, the church goes, and it's no knock to women at all. I love all the women who worship their hearts out in our church. But when I see a masculine man with his hand hands raised singing, even though I know that's not his bent, you know, or it doesn't seem like his bent, I'm like, praise God for that. And I actually see it affect the people around him that are yeah, looking at him. Absolutely. Um, I don't know. I, I think there's something to that, a specific call for men to number one, like get your family to church, make that a, a non-negotiable, but then don't just show up, like be present and obey the Lord, you know, mm-hmm. and do what he says, uh, because it is so impactful to your family. It's impactful to the people around you. And it's impactful to me as a worship leader who's on stage. And I want to have my hands up the whole time. I got a guitar in my hand, so I can't. So I love it when men in particular are out there leading, yeah. I know you guys do a good job of this down front even. Um, but it's important to, set the example of what it looks like to obey the Lord and to be enjoying him in worship. Yeah. With your body. We're, yeah. we're not, we're not just into the music. Right. We're not just expressing our emotions. Right. We're not just overly emotional or something like that. 
we're doing what God says. And in, in some ways, we're punking the devil, man. In some days, sure. like, we are, this is warfare. And when you go and you watch, you know, ancient warriors, they had chants. They had songs. Mm-hmm. In the military now, they, you're running, you've got songs, you've got cadences, you've got things that you do. You've got liturgies where you lift your hands and you shout. When you go to the football game and everybody scores, every, everyone lifts their hands. That's yeah. something that you universally do, Yeah, yeah. right? It's fascinating because I just watched this random TED Talk about body posture. And there's this universal, whether you're, you're blind or you've got vision, there's this universal posture that when you succeed, you put your hands up in the air. There's just, it's like an expression of, yeah. and that's... Yeah, a runner Christ, crosses the finish line, what does he do? Yeah, puts him up. Yeah. And in Christ, we're more than conquerors. Yeah. We're, we're praising God for the work that he's done on our yeah. behalf so that we don't have to slog it out and, and like try to prove our weight, you know? Yeah. And so and, there is that posture. Of, and it's one of the most masculine things you can do because it's literally saying to the world and everyone around you, I'm not living my life for you. Mm-hmm. Like even your wife, like you're not the most important thing to me right now. Your kids, you're not the most important thing, yep. so, right. thing to me right now. Yep. The, I don't care if you are a billionaire and you're across the, and I invited you to my church and you're sitting right next to me. I don't care if it's Elon Musk. I'm lifting my hands right because I'm not, who, I don't, I'm in the presence of God. Yep. Yeah. Who are you, right. Elon? Like you're yep. nothing to me yeah. in yeah. a sense. You're nothing to me. Yep. And so when I lift my hands up, I'm saying to everybody else, God, I care way more about God than I care about you. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the most masculine things that you can possibly do. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 100%. That's, we talk about differentiation, like that I am myself and I'm not that connected to everybody else, that I am me. Yeah. I am worshiping the true God. Yeah, right? that's good. And I'm not worried about what my neighbor or what this person across the hall thinks for me, or even that girl or whoever, if you're date, trying to find somebody, like it's one of the most masculine things you can mm-hmm. possibly do. Yeah. One thing that, Joel, you're talking about being a worship leader up at the front, and I feel like I'm also like the uh, second string worship leader in the front row, raising my hands yeah, and, yeah. and worshiping. But I, I've ex- exhorted my men that they're the worship leaders of their pew. Yeah. Like yeah. their family's watching what they're doing. They're, they're, their kids are going to observe what they're doing, how they're responding to the Lord, the way they're obeying God and how he wants to be worshiped, that they're leading the worship in their pew. And, and not just in the pew, of course, this all also transfers to home. Like, what's it look like to lead worship in your home? But there is this mentality that I, when we show up to worship, nobody's passive. Nobody's there to take in worship, yeah. you know, and, ju- and just be a spectator. Yeah. We're participating in this, this spiritual warfare thing that's happening before our eyes. And everybody's carrying weight in it. Everybody's mm-hmm. playing a role in this thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And fathers especially, you're leading worship in that pew. Mm-hmm. But I think even like leading worship in the pew, but even when you go home, I think when you don't see those things happening within your family, of course, it has to start with you. But you have to have some of those tough conversations like you have to have with any other conversation. You have to intervene and be able to ask the questions and be able to love your kids well, but even love your wife well if that's not a situation that she's doing as well. So I, I think that we got, just got to be willing to have the tough conversations. I would say if it's not happening at church, if it's not happening in the gathering, it's not happening at home. Mm. For sure. That's deep. For sure. If it's not happening in the church, it's not happening at home. You can't be the guy that, oh, yeah, I don't show up for practice, but I just crush the game. Yeah. No, no. Yeah, I go, I, 
you swear you're physically fit, but you're not a part of a gym. You never work out. No one believes you. Yeah. yeah nobody believes you. You're the guy, you're the armchair quarterback saying, oh, I could do that. Yeah. yeah. I could do that. And everybody around you is like, give me a break, yeah. dude. You couldn't do that. Yeah. If you tried, right? Sunday morning worship is the practice field, mm-hmm. right? It teaches us how to worship God rightly. And if you can't do it there, you're not going to do it when it comes game time in the real real world, in the boardroom, in the bedroom, yeah. at the dinner table, right? At the gym, when the tough stuff of life hits. Yeah. So, all right. So worship is all of life. It's pouring out our devotion, everything we are to the true and living God and not to idols. Um, if you get any questions on this, email us. You can at Justin or Sam at sacredcitychurch.com. We'd love to answer those, maybe on a follow-up podcast. Uh, man, we really... Th- I just really appreciate if you're listening to this long, appreciate you. Thankful that you guys listen to us, that you're finding this helpful. We do love to hear from you. And so, man, if this has been a blessing to us, let us know. Share it on your favorite social media. Share it to your friends, your MC, your family members, whoever that is. And uh, we just want to be a blessing to you guys. So we love you. We're praying for you. God bless. (laughs) 